Hello everyone, welcome to my vlog. So today I have amazing photographer uh, Francisco Hernandez who I've been following for uh, a long time. You are amazing photographer as I said, um, you're doing great work. Um, I've been following your vlog for also a long time. I've learned so much from you which um, you know it's, it's amazing nowadays that everyone is trying to share um, their knowledge, their um, experiences, um, you know, giving different input on, you know, you know, equipment and styles and all those stuff. So um, I know we had quiet, quick conversations back and forth over the last week and you agreed to do this interview, which I'm extremely thankful. Um, I have tons of questions to you, um, but before we start, um, I just want to ask you the first question, like how did you get into the photography? Because this is like the most oh, common yeah. question and you know people want to know a little bit kind of behind the scene, how did you get into this whole thing? Um, because as you probably know, everyone is a photographer, but those successful yeah, ones yeah. is just a handful ones, right? So if you could just tell me a little bit your story, I tried to find something but I couldn't. Like you, you can keep this as a secret <laughs> yeah. a little bit. So if you yeah. could just share a little bit, that would be awesome. Well, yeah, I can definitely go ahead and share that. Um, I that is something that I don't really. No, well, it's not really brought up a lot, but uh, it's it's a bit of a, a little bit of a story. Um, I think growing up, I, I was kind of like isolated. I wasn't really outgoing, um, and I think I can't remember exactly why. I wish I, I'll ask my mom see if she remembers. But one day. When uh, whenever I was just following my mom on some errands where she would just bring me, she took me to like um, a CVS or just like a like a pharmacy, and they had disposable cameras, and I can't remember why, uh, but I got one uh, from there. Maybe she got one just to you know see if I would have fun playing with it, keep myself occupied, and um, from the the whole experience with the with those, those disposable cameras, I enjoyed it and I thought it was really interesting, and I think. It was actually I was actually very uh, fortunate that I was in that kind of stage of digital or actually the stage of photography in general because um, I had that access to a camera um, and it was at that stage where I could appreciate it more than now when people have like their phones on they're on it all the time then they don't maybe appreciate it as much and they don't get really interested in seeing and, you know kind of exploring that a bit more so that first that first initial spark of interest was from disposable cameras. And then over the course of years, I, that was, this was around when I was like maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11, mm -hmm. 10 or 11. And then I think over the course of years, every now and then I would get, it would become a thing where I, every couple of months I would get like a, my mom would give me a disposable camera and I would be very selective about my shots and you know what I wanted to capture in other words. And um, I had that little bit of a interest in photography then. And then fast forward to, to high school when I was, a, I think a junior, my 11th grade year, um, uh, they, I was in, I was in the yearbook club and I think that's a lot, that's a, a lot of, that's the same experience that a lot of photographers have mm -hmm. that in, when they have to go and take pictures for the yearbook club, um, uh, that's pretty much where I got, got more, like I got more interested in, in whole and about photography. And, um, again, I think I was very fortunate of where I was growing up in, in regards to the, to the technology behind photography, because, um, I think around that time around that i think it was around 2008 mm -hmm. um digital photography started to get a little bit more accessible and um i had checked out the canon the canon rebel series digital cameras and i'm very fortunate in that because i know myself and i know that as much as i would like to to try out film photography mm -hmm. i'm very much a digital uh, age photographer and i love the whole the whole fact that you can take pictures and if you want to take more you can do so and if you need to take make room you can delete some and with film you can't do that yeah. so i was very fortunate and i really liked the whole digital photography aspect and that was in high, that was in high school and then i had to put that on 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 pause for a sec for a bit because i had to go to college and in college i had to really like focus and then um i didn't i, I was one of those people that didn't necessarily know what they wanted to do so i did my i did my basic classes first and then, um, and then I thought, you know what? I, I liked photography a lot. Let me try to see if I can make something out of that. And then I, I went to, uh, I started to go to, towards a TV film track. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had to get a, I had to get a video camera. So I, I already had a digital camera prior to, to that class, but uh, it was the Nikon D60, I believe. And that one was, 
purely photo, I believe, um, I needed a dedicated video camera. So that's when I went to get the Canon. And then I think that just kind of like rekindled that fire, that spark. And then, um, uh, and then I just used it for a couple of years. And then when I graduated, I got to really experience and really learn a lot uh, and teach myself a lot more. Okay. It's a bit of a story. <laughs> well, it's I think, you know what, everyone kind of goes through, I don't want to say similar stories, but there's always that kind of childhood memory with the camera, which kind of gets you hooked on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, kind of drugs for years. And, and then, you know, like, I, I have like not the same, but similar stuff. Like my, my dad was a photographer, like an amateur one. And then, you know, he has those, you know, different stuff and you know like i was always so um inspired and you know kind of excited whenever we have kind of ability to use it and that's oh, nice. how this whole thing kind of grow into me and then you know like eventually you know i started kind of slowly going into this entire you know spin of you know buying stuff and i think also what you have said was so interesting and i 100 agree with you that that when the digital was kind of introduced there was like a something so exciting and i remember my first yeah. digital camera was just like opening completely new door and new possibilities and then you know it's just like i i remember that this <laughs> whole thing like that would be yesterday but it's when you think yes. about it it's been over a decade right <laughs> more i know that. i don't want to remember <laughs> yeah and now like when you look back you know those those first digital cameras and that's what we have today is just also completely different worlds right so yeah so different yeah mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about um i just want to talk about your style because i've been really digging into your photos and you know like you do a lot of different things um okay. but at the same time there's some kind of uh, thread which connects all those pictures so so what i want to ask you is how do you define your style and also mm -hmm. i'd like to kind of hear a little bit more if you wouldn't mind sharing you know about the process of you know how you were discovering what you like what you don't like and then you know i also I'm going to dig it a little bit more about the equipment because, you know, you've tried different things, but you still kind of um, have that consistency even with shooting, you know, different lighting setups and, you know, different cameras and all this stuff. So if you could just share okay, that yeah. thing would be awesome. So, uh, so yeah, I, that's pretty, I like that question because it definitely was something that developed slowly over time and it's now at a point where I can, where I, I love my style and I enjoy my style and I don't mind sharing how it's how it's achieved. Um, I can tell you that from the beginning when I start to use um, photography uh, more in depth when uh, when I got the, the serious camera in, in college, um, I started to gravitate a bit more towards the commercial kind of look with, with off-camera flash. So that was something that I, I for one definitely wanted to, to, um, to kind of replicate in my own work and that was something that I knew that I needed to get off-camera flash for. Mm -hmm. So, um, for one, I get I would say that uh, my work is definitely going to be always with off-camera flash. So that's mm -hmm. that's one element in regards to that. Um, another thing that I I I, I slowly realized um, was that I love um, this little bit this bit of depth that you can achieve with off-camera flash. You can definitely achieve the same thing with natural light, but you um, you have more control when, it, when with off-camera flash. And with my style, uh, if you pay attention to all my photos, you can see that I will never have a photo that's that's fully like you won't see no shadow. So you you'll definitely see some some shadow. In other words, I I always like that extra bit of depth that you can create. It kind of just gives that that uh, it just kind of pops outside of the frame of the image, and I like that. I like that that kind of intimacy between the subject in the photo and the viewer. I like that it's a close connection. That's why I, I'm very much interested in doing portrait work, and I don't think that'll change ever. So aside from the fact that I have off-camera flash in my photos pretty much all the time for that extra, um, that extra bit of um, pop and that depth that I always kind of always gravitate towards, um, I have that um, that off-camera flash and also that shadow in my in my uh, my work that kind of just helps that subject pop out. Um, the the la very last thing that I, I knew I, I realized I loved almost immediately when I started to get really get into photography is um, using a shallow depth of field. So I love to kind of be very selective about what's going to be in focus, and that's pretty much always going to be the, the subject. Um, I always 
want to kind of just make that subject highlight more than anything, more than the background, more than even the clothes that they're wearing. I just want that connection with the subject. Um, of course, clothes do kind of matter a lot. And I learned that over time because people wear uh, very distracting out outfits sometimes, very either neon pink or very distracting patterns. So I learned that over time. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, so I definitely kind of always gravitate towards making that subject pop and, and, and give that extra bit of depth in my photos. And the way that I do that is if you had to sum it up, it'd be through through using shadows. Um, I like the 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 off camera flash. Well, actually not the off camera flash, but the, the lighting style of Rembrandt. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys, if whoever's listening, if they don't know Rembrandt, definitely Google that. Um, uh, it's my favorite lighting style ever. Um, so I try to always use some sort of style that's very similar to that. Or I just try to use shadows in general to kind of get that extra depth. Um, I use off-camera flash for that. For the for some some there's some shots that you can't just achieve with natural light. And I, I was gonna make a post about that today in my in my photos um, from a photo shoot that I did just two days ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I like the ability that you have to get a lot of things um, exposed correctly using off-camera flash. So sometimes that will be a major um, a major thing in my my portrait work. And yeah, the fact that I use a shadow depth of field is another thing that really kind of defines my style. So using a shadow depth of field with off-camera flash and using shadows is kind of kind of going to be my style, in other words. And I don't mind um, sharing with how, how I achieved that style over time. It definitely was a process. Um, the the thing that I use a lot a lot is high-speed sync, and that was something that when I started back over 2000, like when I really started in 2011, it was not a thing. It didn't, it, it, it may have existed, but not, nobody ever knew about it. And yeah. it, it was something that I was definitely, um, I definitely learned through, through a lot of trial and error and different types of products, how to achieve that um, over time. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to lead me to the next question. And I, and you know, usually I really hate asking questions about equipment because this oh, is just a tool, but People will give me hell if I'm not going to ask those questions and, you know, we're going to get both, I think, in trouble if we're not going to discuss this. It's a fact. Yeah, but that's the kind of the way it is. Um, especially nowadays, I found like, you know, for whatever reason, people always ask about like, so could you tell me a little bit about your gear? But also like, like the way I would like to kind of um, direct this question would be, how did you develop your, um, like, the stuff what you're using for your for your work uh, because I know like I can just share a little bit my story like you know it took me a little bit because I'm sh sh shooting speed lights you know and you know like I used to shoot with you know alien home lights then I actually dumped this whole thing when I discover that I can <laughs> do similar stuff with speed lights yeah. um, and I know that was a little bit of process of you know like experimenting and trying new things um, but I would like to ask you, like, what was your process? And if you could just share me what you are using when it comes to creating your work. Um, well, what I use now or what I use, I think it would probably well, be a bit of a long story if I go through every. Yeah, yeah. I but just give time. me like, what are you using right now? But how maybe how you got to this point that, okay, I'm using this because I like, for example, you know, this camera or I like okay. this, this lights for whatever, whatever reason. Um, so. In regards to lighting, or actually, in regards to my camera gear, uh, my first, like the first DSLR that I owned was the Nikon D60, mm -hmm. and that one came with a kit lens, and um, it was the 18 to 55. Okay. And I and I think um, I think I went out on a trip, and I saw somebody else with a Canon, and they had like a 18 to 135, and of course my my knowledge with, with photography was was not as extensive as it is now. So I was like, okay, I need to get a Canon. They have the longer lens. You know, I, it was just something like that. And then in college, actually, when I had my TV film classes and I would see other people using, you know, they would make their own little short videos for projects. I saw a lot of them using Canon. So I thought, okay, there must be something with this camera brand that, that, that kind of rings true. And it has, you know, something must be going on with this camera brand that I need to check into. So, um, I, I will be honest, I didn't really do a lot of research and, and I, I just got a Canon um, 60D and it ended up being a very good uh, film or camera for video because it had like a flip screen so you can see yourself in case that's something that you needed to check. Um, but again, I, my knowledge was still not as great as it is now and 
I just got the camera mainly because other people in my area had, had gotten that camera as well. And it kind of benefited me for one reason specifically. Um, if I needed to borrow lenses from these other students in my class, they had the same the same camera brand, so I was able to do so. So that was one reason that I, like if I could go back, I would still go that same route because, um, because of the access, accessibility with other lenses from these other students that had the same camera. Um, uh, over time, I wanted to go full frame because again, as my knowledge grew, I was like, okay, maybe I can get a better uh, shallow depth of field. Maybe I can do, you know, do other things that I normally wouldn't be able to do with with my current camera. With that Canon 60D, what I eventually found out over time was that I love I love the ability to take photos no matter what time of day. And one thing that was very limiting with that Canon 60D was the ISO performance. And once you start to go past ISO 800. Um, it starts to get very grainy, very grainy. And one thing that I, I looked into when I was you know, looking into getting a full frame camera, because I was looking at the Canon 5D Mark II and then the 5D Mark III, I think had maybe just came out. Um, I was looking into those cameras, but what I found out, and this was the, the sole deciding factor of why I got the Canon 60, was that the Canon 60 had slightly better ISO performance. And that was the, the biggest deciding factor because I wanted that extra little bit of uh, ISO performance in case I wanted to go and shoot at night or, or shoot without any lighting and shoot at an event. Um, so that was the biggest factor for that. Another thing that really helped with that was that the, it was the cheapest full frame that they had Canon offered. So that was, I was like, okay, it has great low light performance and it's the cheapest one and it's full frame. I gotta get this camera. So I, I got that camera. It did cost a, a little bit at the time, um, but it was, I think it was definitely worth it. Worth it. I used it for a couple of years until uh, I started to get uh, more interested in Sony specifically because they have this feature called eye autofocus, which just by holding a button, it'll it'll focus on the eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be extremely helpful in, in using a wide aperture where not a lot is going to be in focus. And if you try to focus on the eyes and move a little bit, um, you'll get an out of, out of focus shot. So since I do portrait work, um, I thought that was very interesting and I thought that that was something that would benefit me greatly. I, did, I didn't know how greatly it would, but once I got my first Sony camera, which was the Sony A6500, um, I fell in love with the camera system and over the course of a couple of, a couple of months, I think, I sold all my, my Canon stuff and fully switched to Sony. Um, and again, that IR focus was the biggest, the biggest reason why I changed, but there was other features as well that kind of just made it... Um, made it more of a reason to switch to Sony and kind of also to recommend to other photographers as well who who might have might be experiencing some issues like nailing the focus which I, honestly when it came to shooting with Canon it was something I developed slowly over time nailing a, a, a shot in focus like on the eyes um, with the shadow that the field I was never really able to do that in the beginning and it was it it became second nature uh, how I focused and recomposed with the Canon system. With the Sony system, I just literally just had to hold that button and then take the shot. And because of that ease of use, it was something that I could uh, confidently recommend to other photographers, especially if they're just starting out, so that they don't have to experience those those that frustration that I had over years, literally literally years, um, trying to gain that ability to, to nail the focus with a wide open shot. And then. Um, after the A6500, I got the A7R2, which is a full-frame camera because the A6500 is a crop sensor. Um, so I got that. I used it for more than a year, I think. Yeah, I think more than a year. Um, and then uh, I switched to the A7R3, which is the next version of that camera. And the main reason why I did that was because it had a couple of improvements, which the first, the, the number one being the uh, the improved battery life, mm -hmm. because before the these these new generation of Sony cameras came out. Um, they had like they were kind of known for having terrible battery life, uh, and a lot of people would joke around that if you go to do something with Sony, you need to carry like a handful of batteries. That that kind of became a running joke. Um, so that's the reason why I got the A7R3, and that's the that's the camera that I use currently, and I always use it with my 85G Master lens, which is an f1.4 lens, and it's it's just it's my go-to lens. I've using it. I've been using it for a long time now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So tell me a little about your lighting, because um, you know the, you, you were talking a little bit about the you know like you're really 
focus on off-camera flashes and, and all this stuff and and I want to just kind of dig a little bit more into this because I, I you know watching your videos and stuff like you experimenting with a lot of stuff yes, I did. And, and and you know what that's I'm so impressed with this because that also gives me some ideas and then you know like you really open like new possibilities with a lot of those stuff so so before we jump into you know what you're using currently for most of your shots um, I just want to ask you like based on let's say the last six months to a year experiences you know with trying new things what impressed you the most like which kind of light or some kind of things which you actually have have a chance to work with you were like like this is so cool like this is something which is going to be big in the near future so um that's a very good question that's yeah that's something that i don't really get asked often about but yeah there's a lot of new lights that come out every so often and it's hard to keep what i would say it's hard to keep up but i'm i'm literally obsessed with off-camera flash and photography alike so i kind of keep up to date i look i check out the the major news uh photography news websites every single day as soon as i wake up um so i'm very in a know about off-camera flash um the thing that just came out um maybe within the six months i think um well there's a company by the name of godox uh, yes. i think that the actual pronunciation is godox but i'm gonna be calling it godox because that's what i call it <laughs> but um so the, the company godox is a very popular uh off-camera flash lighting um company right now a lot of people use their products um one thing that they developed i think a little bit more than a year ago was a was a strobe that uh, that's the size of a speed light, but it offers three times the power. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to sacrifice like a, getting a bigger, bulkier strobe um, just to get more power. You have that size and power packed in that one strobe, and it, that that's the that's called the Godox AD200. Mm -hmm. That 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 strobe is something that a lot of photographers now use because of that ability to have so much power packed in a small little body. Um, that was a that was a light that was definitely that kind of just shook up the industry, the off-camera flash industry, because of that ability, that power, and that portability. Um, and it's pretty cool because the company themselves, Godox, they um, they innovate so much, and that's the reason why I, I'm a big fan of their work. And what they did in the past, within that past year since that that that, uh, that light came out, is they did they did they developed an attachment. Where if you have two of those Godox 8200s, you can um, use this attachment that can com combine them both. You can attach both of these two lights if you have to, um, and then you can get double the power in a single source of light. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted like a, um, if you have two of those Godox 8200s, and you and they're they're going to be 200 watts of power each. And if you just felt like you needed a stronger single source of light, you can use that attachment to combine them both and get that single source of light that's very powerful and that attachment also also not has the benefit of having extra power but it also has two very powerful led lamps so you can um use that if you want to yeah. um, and, I, and I, I use this attachment a lot because when i travel having that attachment and having these those two godox 8200 strobe bodies um it's very easy to pack and i actually just made a video on my youtube channel uh, about two weeks ago describing that setup because it's it's one of the best I called that video the best off-camera flash setup um, because I honestly believe that to date that is something that is very um, very flexible and having the ability to, if you want to use two of those lights separately, have a two light setup, you can do so by just dismantling that attachment mm -hmm. and if you want a single source of light that just has that extra bit of power, you can combine them. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have that modeling lamp as well. So um, so that's pretty much the, the, the single most biggest thing. Um, that I've seen that nobody has ever done before, um, especially because um, the company, the company themselves, Godox, they're coming out with a lot of strobes and speed lights that are well, not speed lights, stro uh, but strobes specifically that are battery operated and they have no cords. And I, I'm a big fan of that because, yeah. like you said before, I've experienced it with a lot Welcome of Welcome to lights. the club, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm spoiled now, and I don't. I don't want to have to deal with uh, any sort of cords. So well, that was, you know, part of my um, part of my um, 
well biggest issue when it comes to you know like using strobes whenever i because I, I i do headshots right and then okay. as i said you know the biggest issue for me was like whenever i had a photo shoot and i have all those you know um, oh, extension yeah. cords and you know you have to find power outlets and then i was getting hell from you know the companies that you have to secure this stuff right to make sure that nobody trips on those you know yeah it becomes a liability yes exactly um so so that's when i turn into uh speed lights and that was just like the, the biggest relief for me plus <laughs> you know carrying all this you know heavy strokes was also like a big of a deal because if you need like three four of them on the shoot you know you're carrying another bag of full of stuff you know which sometimes is like well especially when it comes to traveling and stuff like that might be a little bit inconvenient but also what i would like to add to this goto stuff um because also i would like to kind of hear your opinion on this yeah is the prices because you know oh, they're really yes. affordable comparing you know other companies and i'm going to mention the names so we're not going to get in trouble <laughs> um but you know they, they 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 really step up to make this so affordable that well, I'm not saying everyone, but most people, it's easier to spend, let's say, four, three, four hundred dollars on the, you know, light instead of paying two, three thousand dollars, right? Yes, very much so. I definitely agree with that. Um, what was your question about? Well, about this prices, right? Because that's something which I, I deeply believe that opens another doors for photographers that, you know, um, and, and I want to kind of also refer to this because I, I noticed that a lot of photographers are like, scared to death when it comes oh. to off-light you know um you, I, speed I definitely agree with that i i see that uh, uh, i see that uh that intimidation so much and um if i'm a type of guy that i i like adrenaline and like i like that that fear that it kind of mm -hmm. makes me more focused than anything that's why um if i if i didn't start to do a lot more online educating i would be a wedding photographer because i love that that adrenaline and that mm -hmm. that fear mm -hmm. of of having to nail the shot, it just gives me more focus. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I started off camera flash because I, I wanted that challenge. I wanted to see what I can do or I would fail, where I can improve. Um, but I, I definitely understand that a lot of other photographers, um, including myself in the very beginning, where I just didn't want to start. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what gear to get. All this, all these factors would could definitely overwhelm a photographer in the very beginning. And I could see why that might put, make people kind of weary to getting an off-camera flash, even just one. And, and even when they get that flash, um, the fact that they might not use it right, right, right away, kind of what might make instead of um, giving them the courage to continue, it might want, make them want to stop entirely. And that's that's something that definitely um, makes me want to continue to make more videos, um, especially for the people that might be just be starting off because. I definitely understand that intimidation, and I don't want to. Um, uh, I, I don't want them to experience that as well. I have a couple of videos that I don't want to spoil right now, but they're definitely going to be aimed towards people who are who are wanting to get some pretty great results um, without having to break the bank, and also um, getting great results um, with the, with the most minimal gear. And it's going to be it's going to be kind of directed towards everyone, but also at the same time leaning a little bit towards people who are just starting out. Um, but yeah, in regards to pricing, oh man, uh, with that, there's several reasons why I'm a big fan of Godox and the, the biggest one would probably have to be the price. Yeah. Uh, in regards to my own experiences with pricing and stuff, I, I when I didn't know much about photography, I, I thought I had to get the Canon version of a Speedlight. Mm -hmm. So I got one at Walmart and I saw that it was on sale and I was like, oh, cool, it's on sale. And at the time, it was $240, I think. Mm -hmm. And fast forward to today, with that much money, I can get a whole 60, 40, I can get like a three light setup and oh, do yeah. so much work indoors or outdoors. And yeah. it's insane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's but crazy. I also think, you know, what it's, what it's amazing. Um, you know that recently i think that the mentality of photographers changed a little bit because you know i think we started finally understanding you know we don't really need this high-end lights to produce you know interesting and you know um, artistic shots you know we can have a simple setup 
and as long as you have a little bit of knowledge and experience you know you can create something really outstanding and the the, the, the money is not becoming an issue when it comes to be creative and doing some interesting stuff but i think the companies um and i know i'm gonna get hell for this um you know they still kind of push that agenda that you know like you need to have you know this camera or you need this you know super expensive lights or this expensive setups to to do certain things which is not true and i think you're right. slowly we actually started understanding this a little bit more and because of people like you who actually you know um, expose this whole thing and you're kind of showing okay you know what you need this let's say couple lights and then you know this is the results and then people i'm sure they're getting kind of overwhelmed like or they have you know or they even have a hard time to understand you know with with this really inexpensive setup you can create something really uh incredible okay yeah. so now I want to kind of change to something completely different. Um, I, I know we, we, we talk lots about equipment. <laughs> so now I want to talk a little bit about retouching. Um, and the main reason I want to talk about it because this is one of the things which I think is, 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 is like, I don't want to, people don't want to talk about it, but I think most of the time, you know, people like still have those beliefs that, okay, I can create images which they're really good. I don't have to retouch them. And I know they're scared of retouching, you know, this is another <laughs> thing which we need to learn and, and it takes time, you know, because for me, it's been years and I still have so much to learn and, you know, I need to practice and, you know, do this kind of, um, I, I would say a lot of, lot of work goes into it to, to, to learn this, 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 this thing. So, could yeah. you tell me a little bit about your experience um, when it comes to retouching? Like, so you retouch yeah. your images yourself or you send them off to someone. What's the process look like in your workflow? Yeah, I can definitely, like, with anything about anything I do, I, I'm a completely open book, so I don't mind answering these questions okay. at all. Um, so, like you mentioned before, there's this belief that some people think that if they um, take a shot with off-camera flash, uh, that they don't have to do any retouching, which I definitely disagree with. Um, I, I definitely know that there's that mentality and it is there for, for certain reasons, but I think what what can be unintentionally um, promoting that idea is if somebody posts a photo on an online group or in a, or on a or Instagram or any social, sort of social media and they use off-camera flash and the photo is edited or in any sort of way that I think this is where I fell into the trap as well um, with off-camera flash um, because people, I would see images that look amazing and they were highly, like I can analyze the photo now and see if it's retouched it. Like yes. my mind and my eye has gotten so much better than before. And back then I knew when I saw a shot with off-camera flash, um, I thought, well, I didn't know then, but uh, I know now that it's, it was, it's been retouched and it has this whole bunch of different factors that have been involved. In regards to retouching, when I just started photography, I was completely opposite of where I am now. I thought when I when I started that if I edited in any sort of way, anything, a crop, uh, changing the contrast or anything, I thought that I was I thought I would be cheating. So I was called what what's called a photography purist back then. I thought I thought that it would be cheating by editing in any way, and that that lasted and hindered me for um for a couple months mm -hmm. and then what i slowly realized is that you know literally every single person alive has a way of processing their photos in regards to if they shoot jpeg you by changing the sharpness or the the contrast or the saturation that's going to affect the photo and you're essentially processing the photo by doing yes. that so when i eventually learned about shooting raw i what i it was kind of like a eureka moment because I had been a fan of editing photos for a little bit of time, about maybe a good two years, maybe a year and a half well, before I discovered RAW. And then when I discovered that ability to kind of process the RAW file and get exactly what I want in, in regards to processing, I, I thought it was amazing. And, and it kind of just uh, opened doors into letting my processing be a lot more developed. When I, um, before I started to get really in serious into photography, I actually took like a, um, you know, I was in high school and it was the summer um, before the before the school year began. And I was very interested in this this uh, Photoshop. I was, in, I was very interested in that and I wanted to learn more about it. So over the course of that summer, I got really familiar with Photoshop. And that was something that really benefited me 
because a lot of people to this day, even if they use off-camera flash and they're familiar with it, they still don't want to venture into post-processing the photos in Lightroom or post-process them in, in Photoshop. So I was very fortunate that before I even started to get very serious about photography, I had that knowledge with Photoshop and I knew how to kind of manipulate things the way that I, that I wanted to. And just getting familiar with that system was, was a big benefit for me um, in regards to post-processing. But um, over the course of time, I realized, okay, you know what, if I want to achieve certain looks, then I'm, I'm going to have to spend a little bit more time post-processing the photos. Um, my process now just, in, um, of course I shoot raw. Uh, raw is very important to me. I could definitely edit a JPEG, but I just have that flexibility that I like to, to work with, with shooting a raw file. Um, I import the photos to Lightroom. Mm -hmm. And um, I, the very first thing that I do, because I love color, is I boost the colors up quite a bit and not to anywhere where it's like too much. Like if you just um, increase the saturation slider, like all the colors just start to yell and start yeah, to become yeah. very loud. Um, uh, I, I actually found out from another photographer that I, I follow and admire by the name of Trevor Daly. He actually works with the company Magnet Mod or Magmod. Mm -hmm. um, but he made a video tutorial a couple years ago where he, he brought that tip to my attention where if you boost the colors this certain way in Lightroom, um, it'll bring them out a lot more naturally and without having to be so over the top, like um, like if you, were just, if you were to just raise the saturation slider. So that first thing that I do in, in post-processing my photos is I bring up the colors a bit and because uh, I, I am a big fan of color. Like I appreciate black and white, but I just learned that over, over time I love color. So I bring, the, bring out the colors first and foremost, foremost and then sometimes in Lightroom, because there's there's different uh, different tools in there that you can use, I will use the um, what's it called the adjustment tool. I believe it's called the adjustment brush. I believe, mm -hmm. and that's basically if you want to, you know, if you if I were to bring it down to like the basic uh, uh, tool that it serves, um, it's basically a paint brush mm -hmm. where you can paint over the photo and. The thing that you paint over the photo, you can either adjust the color temperature, the saturation, the sharpness, the the uh, just so many the, the exposure itself, making it brighter or darker. You can you can do these different things with that adjustment brush in Lightroom. So I will use that adjustment brush to either bring out the eyes slightly, um, I'll either add a little bit sharpness in some areas where I, where I feel like if it were to be sharp sharpened, it'd be just improve the photo just a little bit. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll actually do something like I'm not, I'm completely open about my process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I have a good exposure and I feel like, um, the lighting could have been just have a little bit more punch, but of course I can't go back and do the photo shoot again. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of selective brightness over the subject, just mm -hmm. a little bit, just so they can go out, just so they can come out the photo just a little bit more, more attention to the subject. Um, after I finish those selective adjustments of, uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit of sharpening as well. I'll do sharpening, maybe bring out the eyes a little bit, the color, and uh, maybe maybe brighten the subject up just a little bit. Then after that, then I'll um, start working with that photo in in uh, Photoshop. And um, I want to be very clear about how I post-process my photos because what I tell people all the time is that I don't post-process them the right way. And what I mean by that is when I when I start to work with the photo in Lightroom, I export as a high resolution or full resolution JPEG file. Mm -hmm. And if you were to ask any retoucher out there or anybody who knows how to post-process photos to the best of their ability, they would tell you to export that or export that file, that that photo, um, as a TIFF file mm -hmm. um, or some other or just work with a RAW file directly in Photoshop because you just have that flexibility of of working with that file. It's basically the RAW file but in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. But when I started to do photography before I learned the right way, um, I would do that, do what exactly what I just described. I would work with a file in Lightroom, export as JPEG, and then work with that JPEG in in Photoshop. And um, what I found is that for the most for the most part, I, I don't think to date nobody has realized that I work with the JPEG file in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. um, as long as I get to that photo to the point where I want it to be in Lightroom first, and then I export then I can get exactly what I need out of the photo um, work, working with it in the JPEG in, in Photoshop. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to be clear about that because I know a lot of people out there 
that you might hear this and think it's the, the correct thing to do, but if you want the most flexibility in editing a photo, you definitely want to work with a TIFF file, which is basically a raw file in Photoshop. Um, and then when it comes to Photoshop, I have a whole separate process in there, and the process does change in, with every single shot. But um, if, I, if I had to get some sort of rule, uh, rule guide um, kind of process of what I do in Photoshop, it would have to be removing distractions first and foremost, mm -hmm. um, because sometimes um, I'll try to visualize the photo as, as somebody who just saw it for the first time, and also at that same time, also see it as somebody who's very crucial about the photo and try to nitpick every single thing. So I'll try to think, see the thing. There's people like that out oh, there. Oh, I know. know. Yeah. <laughs> so the, they'll um, they'll so rip your the, image apart. They'll... Yes. Yes, and I've experienced that before online. So I, I try to keep the, uh, both of those mentalities there, and sometimes I'll kind of ease up on the the nitpicking side, and I'll just try to I'll try to just visualize the things that are distracting me in the photo, and just get the major elements that are giving that little bit of a distraction. Mm -hmm. I'll remove those using the stamp tool or the healing brush tool, I believe it's called, um, spot removal tool, I believe. Um, so I remove it using those those tools. Another thing that I, two of the biggest retouching tools that I know of and that I use some, I use um, the the process called dodge and burn is something that I use maybe in every single photo that I put out there. Sometimes it's extensive, sometimes it's very minimal. Um, and then another retouching process is called um, fre frequency separation. And that's one that I, I, try, I try to use very minimally all the time because um, it can yield very great results but it's also something that is um, very easy to go overboard. Mm -hmm. So I try not to. Uh, I try not to kind of. I try not to use it myself because Overdoing. of that ability to go overboard. And if I do use it, I use it very minimally. Minimally, um, and I also don't want to use it and have people tr um, hear that I use it often and then uh, try to use it themselves and then get dis disastrous results. Yes. So I, I try to try to emphasize the fact that I, I take a little bit of time. I take my time. Uh, retouching a photo but at the same time that doesn't mean an hour or two hours yeah. sometimes my photos could last an hour if i'm just kind of just being very crucial and looking at the shot too much yeah. i over you know just editing the shot too much to the point where i'm removing distractions that nobody can see um uh but sometimes for the most part my, my editing could take somewhere between 10 to 30 10 to 30 minutes okay yeah so so yeah i'll go in the i'll bring up the photo remove distractions um maybe do a little bit of sharpening um, bring up the subject maybe just a little bit do dodge and burn uh, just to get that the extra little bit of depth and um, if anything maybe work with the color balance to kind of get the color exactly where I want it to be perfect okay so now I'm gonna switch the gear and I'm gonna well continue with what we are talking about but um, it, it seems like you've been very successful on you know photography journey and you know so social media you know you're producing amazing videos um, Thank you. So I want to ask you, like, well, a little bit of, I would say, personal question about oh criticism. God. Like, you know, we're getting hammered, <laughs> you know, on a daily basis, um, and I know a lot of people take this kind of different way. Some of those guys, you know, brush off their, you know, shoulders and then they're good to go. You know, some people take this more personally, and I know it's also a process, you know, throughout the years, you know, that you know we kind of react to some of those things differently. Um, and you know, kind of the, the reason I want to ask you because you know you you are like everywhere on social media, right? And I'm <laughs> sure you're getting a lot of backlash sometimes for you know, as you said, sometimes see someone sees something on your photo and they just make a huge deal out of this, and there's conversation <laughs> for yes. hours, and then you don't kind of know how to kind of react to that, and you know, yeah. so how you deal with 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 those kind of situations, and you know, like what's your kind of process of of, of reacting to those things, and you know, like how you deal with this. So that, that's a very good point that you're making, and I that's something that I don't get asked often. So that's a, it's a very good question that makes me think about my own process and, and how it's um, developed. Um, I can tell you that in the very beginning, um, my whole my whole um, existence when it comes to uh, social media started way back in 2000 and the end of 2010, beginning of 2011. And um, specifically with Facebook, it's, it's changed a lot differently now. But back then, um, there was a, the Facebook groups that you can be part of. Um, they're a lot more 
engaging. There, mm-hmm. People were more active in them than they are now. And back then, um, what I experienced was um, I, there was definitely some groups were a lot, that were a lot more harsher mm-hmm. and some that were a lot less harsher. So in the beginning stages, I would post in those less harsh groups. Mm-hmm. And over time, I got to the point where my, my work was getting better and I was getting a lot more likes and a lot more compliments as comments um, in, the, in that easier group, that easier mm-hmm. group. And that, I definitely did have some bit of a critique in there as well. And um, uh, I can tell you that in the beginning, uh, when it comes to like r- receiving critique from my own photos, I was very much the type of photographer that didn't want to hear it, mm-hmm. that didn't want to hear that their work was bad and it could be improved. Nobody, nobody wants to hear that. But, yeah. but the truth of the matter is, is you're going to start work, shooting photos bad. And yeah. the only way that you can improve is is by acknowledging those faults, and you know, fixing out how to minimize the amount of errors that are going to be in the next photo shoot. And um, so, yeah, I was definitely going against the grain and hearing these comments and taking them as per- very personally. And um, because of my experience with uh, feeling that, the way I am now, uh, let me check my phone. Uh, the way that, the way that I am now is I am exactly the opposite. And if I give somebody critique, which is pretty rare now because um, I don't want to come off sounding like like too too cruel or anything, um, I try to keep it very um, very nice. Like if I tell somebody what, something that can be improved, I'll first tell them a. I think I've heard somewhere online where it's called a compliment sandwich, mm-hmm. where they you give a compliment yeah. and then you tell some critique and then you give another compliment. And I think that's the best thing to do because they hear where they can be improved. And then it's also at the same time, not too harsh sounding. Yeah. So in the very beginning, um, I was definitely the type that heard the harshness and didn't hear the, 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 the advice part. So I would definitely post in those groups where I, I knew where I was just kind of developing confidence. I wouldn't say this is something that I was de- developing an ego because I don't think of myself as a very ego- egotistical person. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence um, growing up to begin with, mm-hmm. and then when I put myself out there and posted work that that I created, um, I was not confident at all. And when I started to get more attention and people started to be more um, receptive to my work, and um, and I would get more attention, that's when I was like, you know what, I, I need to get better at this if I want to really um, make this something that that I, I can be happy with and be more confident with. So that is when I started to post in that harsher group. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would hear a lot of, um, I was at that level where I was very fortunate that I was I was still pretty okay, pretty good. But there was definitely still people that picked at the photo. And I'm happy for that because um, it did bring, my, bring to my attention some stuff that I was doing wrong and stuff that I could do better. But I, I, I will be honest and let you know that and as much as I try to be very positive now and very friendly now, I was very much a kind of a, a mean-spirited person, and I would kind of just fire back with like insults and and, and saying, you know, well, you should do this then next time, right? Or maybe you should do this photo shoot. You know, I was very, I wasn't the best. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, what, if I can jump in for a second, because yeah, I think we're all it. getting um, critiques, and then you know, like and, you know, I, sometimes I understand, you know, the point of view of the person who is critiquing you, right? Um, but also, I found like it depends who is critiquing you, right? Because it's someone. You're right. Yes. If someone doesn't, you know, have any, um, I would say, bold work or something which you know they can present, so they can they give them that kind of ability to okay, you know what? I have some experience in in that field, and I can give you some advice. But I found like I don't want to say. 90% but 80% sometimes of these critiques coming from people who have you know no idea they just sit on the you know um, those social media platforms and they just ripping off oh. every image they can kind of they can put hands on and that's I think what is frustrating because again um, the my experience whenever I was getting critique from someone who has experience they usually give you some very informative advice which can help you with your work but if someone just picks a little thing in your image which has nothing (laughs) to do with rest of it and they you know drooling over this for you know like putting essays you know how bad your photo is that's you know when the frustration comes in and and then which is like okay you know this is just just 
there's no value in, in this critique which kind of helps me to develop my style or you know make me be better photographer right yeah so you, you, you I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes I try to remember and sometimes I want to say maybe it's a willingness to wanting to forget these experiences yes or where yeah we're exactly in that situation that you described there was there there was a lot of that and there is still to this day a lot of that yes there's people that just will comment on my videos or comment on my posts in regards to anything i'm very fortunate that for some reason instagram is very much um when i put out something the people that are are i guess scared to comment that are more brave to comment on posts on like articles or whatever um just kind of talking bad about photos they're not so much a, a very present on Instagram. Yeah. So that's something that's very nice about that. But um, yeah, I think it was actually just, there's some people that just troll. They just love yes. to troll. They'll comment on articles that I've been featured in saying this, saying that I should have done this or I should have done that. And then you'll look at their profile if they have one and there's no pictures at all. There's, there's no conversation nothing. is over, right? It's so. like a fake profile. Yeah. So there's people that are just like that. It's just, it's, it's, if it's pretty sad in other words, because I have no idea what their intention is other than just wasting their time and commenting or just, just trying to elicit a response. Uh, I still get comments to this day and messages, you know, with those people that are like that. And then what I found to be the best thing over time was to just ignore them because if they, if you, if I were to post a picture of that comment and post it, they're, they're more than likely would be like, yes, he posted this, you know, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting to him. I'm getting, I'm getting him angry. And at this, and my whole thought process on that is like, don't you have something better to do? That's true. <laughs> like, yeah. Try to, you know, if you're, if you're a photographer and you're trying to, to, um, to just bring somebody down, it's like, you know, do you, do you not have anything other to uh, you know other to, to other than that to do and actually one thing that i wanted to make a point is that sometimes there there are going to be some photographers that i call the helping the helping but hurting kind yes. i think that's what i got yeah um because sometimes they'll give they'll give advice and sometimes it might not it might not be like accurate advice and it might, might it might be advice that actually is the opposite of what they should be doing and um, and I wanted to bring that up real quickly because well, um, I've experienced that. I've experienced photographers that have helped me and they honestly just hindered my growth more than anything because what I thought before is if somebody gives me advice, then I have to take it. And over the course of time, I've figured out that, okay, when it comes to any sort of uh, advice is that I need to take it with a grain of salt because advice in general of course there are going to be rules um but with photography it's very like a rule, rules free kind of place um is that when it comes to advice there's going to be people that want you to take the photos either their way or how they were taught and you can either you can either follow that of course it, it, it depends on how you want to work as a photographer but you also have to think what do i like what do i want to create how do i feel about this advice and how it's going to affect my photos and I think that's something that a lot more photographers should realize because, um, again, I don't I don't want anybody to kind of get advice from me and feel that they need to do this or do that. Yes. And I want them to love their photos and take the photos that they want to take. So whenever I give any sort of advice and why I kind of um, I do get, I do get many messages every single day and I do give advice still, but I always try to be very um, very on the nose and very apparent that I'm giving them advice about how I take my photos. And maybe they'll discover a, a certain way that they prefer better and you know that's something that they should should realize that it's not going to be maybe the same thing that i'm advising so um so when i when i give advice i try to be very up um upfront about that because um there is a certain style that i just gravitate towards because of my own personal preferences and other people might feel differently about that preference and it's going to dictate how they do their photography so i don't you know um there's, there's just going to be people out there that if they want to help you, they'll help you with actual factual advice. And yes. there's going to be people who, who just want to troll. Yeah. So you have to be, not, you have to keep in mind that there's going to yeah. be those type of people out there. And when it comes to the trolling type, just don't pay any attention to it. That's, and when it comes to the people, yeah, yeah, yeah. that want to help, 
Well, trolling we'll doesn't. Uh, it's not going to go away. That's that's the thing that they want. It's never going to go away. But I also think, and you, I completely agree with you, and I want to really kind of put some spotlight on it that you know, like we have to like our photos first before yeah. you know someone's kind of try to rip them apart. And you know, I think we also this is the first step to I would say being. Um, how I can even describe this? Like, what I want to say is basically that you know, like. We're not creating photos for other people. We're just creating them first and foremost for ourselves. You know, we have to be happy with with this. And then, if someone has some some objectives or someone you know want to, I don't know, do something different. And I agree with you that, uh, well, basically, you know, everyone has different perspective. You know, everyone kind of look at photos differently, and everyone's gonna look at our work from completely different angle, right? So, so that's yes. something. Okay, so I have a couple more questions. Um, the next one is going to be, I think, tough one. And I, the main reason I want to ask you is because you are so involved with, you know, kind of working, as I said, with different stuff, with different lighting. Um, you're really involved in this community and in, in photography. So what's 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 the future of photography, in your opinion? Like, where are we going with this whole thing? Because, well, first wow. of all, this whole thing is changing so drastically that every six months is you know um something completely new and different um i have a personally tough time to keep up with everything um, <laughs> but i just want to ask you like what's your thoughts on that that's a that's a very good question as well it is a challenging one um but i i tend to be very knowledgeable about photography in general and the tech behind it because the tech is going to dictate how the photos come out um so my whole stance about technology with regarding cameras as a whole to this point right now is that sony and of course um i want to make it make it apparent that i am a sony ambassador but i i very much like to give opinion based if, if i wasn't one just in general about how i feel um the, to the point where we're at right now with the sony cameras specifically the sony a7 III, it's a it's a great camera that's currently costing two thousand dollars uh us american dollars um and it costs $2,000 and it offers amazing photo and amazing video. And it has a lot of features that um, that are gonna just be perfect for pretty much any photographer out there, either consumer or prosumer or professional. So I think that is a great camera for a multitude of different features that it has. And because of that, the tech that it offers right now, it's it's gonna be difficult, in other words, to for other camera companies out there um, to either produce a camera that's going to be either on the same same uh, bar, the same level, and if they do go beyond it, I'm also in that that same mindset where I'm excited to see what's what's to come because right now I'm, I'm when it comes to that that camera, the Sony A7 III, and the other cameras that I personally use, the Sony A7 R3, I have pretty much everything that I need. I have. Um, the ability to take portraits the way I want to very easily with that eye autofocus that really helps me out. I have a great dynamic range. I have um, uh, improved color science because Sony, in the beginning with the Sony A6000, they had um, the colors when you would take them, the shots, it was not as good as, good as Canon, but now they're pretty much on the same uh, same level. So the thing that I would be looking forward to when, when it comes to t technology would be an even greater amount of, of um, dynamic range and one thing that's called the global shutter, global shutter is something that you can find in like medium format cameras and other high-end cameras that cost an arm and a leg. Mm -hmm. um, I want to see those features kind of trickle down even just little by little to these mirrorless cameras because in terms of like um, different levels in regards to photography, that the medium format t tends to be way up there. And I think that if some of the features that they offer, like the, the global shutter, and just in an insane amount of dynamic range, um, if they start to offer some of these features in those cameras, in some of these mirrorless cameras that we're currently using, that'll be very, very exciting. And I honestly have some features that I would like to um, to see implemented. The one specific feature would be to to record the um, the power output and the kind of the transmitter that the the information that the transmitter receives, uh, recorded inside the XF uh, data, because. For me, as an online educator and person who like who tends to share exactly how a photo is achieved, sometimes and to this day I still have to do this. I have to remember or write down 
what my power output was for a certain light and these other yeah, yeah. like several light setup. And I would love to have that data recorded in the EXIF data so that I don't have to keep in mind, okay, I need to record this down and write this down. Um, so certain features like, like global shutter, which is going to reduce um, rolling shutter, which if we re do any sort of photography or videography, more apparent in videography, that if you start to like pan a little bit or shake a little bit, um, you'll get like camera movement. It's a kind of like a jello effect. So once that starts to trickle down into the mirrorless cameras, it's going to be something that's going to be very exciting because global shutter is also very good for off-camera flash photography in the sense that if you have that feature, you can use any sync speed that you want, uh, even if the camera, if, even if the flash that you're using doesn't have high-speed sync, it'll still register the shot. So for a long time now, for my personal struggle, which is something that ha lasted me several years figuring out, was high-speed sync and how to achieve it. Um, with global shutter that had existed a couple of years ago when I was, you know, doing that process of elimination, figuring out how to use it, um, I would have just simply bypassed it and used my manual flashes without high-speed sync and just been able to to achieve the look that I want a lot sooner. So I think a lot of photographers right now are very fortunate if they just started. Yeah. And I think photographers that are going to be starting a year from now are going to be very fortunate because of all the technology that's to come. And I honestly think, in my opinion, with with these other two camera brands that starts with the CNN, um, that they need to put out amazing technology or else a lot of people will just kind of lose faith in these companies because um, the they're kind of known for kind of pushing out technology very slowly. And I know that it's a joke that Sony tends to put out cameras like all the time, but I think it's great because it gives the people more options to work with. And I think that um, that's always going to be a good thing. And I, I'm a big fan of technology in general, so I'm I'm hoping that these these technologies, these advanced technologies that are that are coming, um, really help photograph photographers and photography in general. And uh, um, it's hard to say exactly what's to come, but uh, I'm very very open to seeing what's coming, and I'm I'm hoping that everybody benefits from all the technology that's coming because competition is just going to be benefit everybody. Yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> okay, so I have a uh, one more question to you. Um, yeah. So. What I would like to kind of ask you is, what would be one advice you would like to give to someone who is starting off? You know, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, oh, I want to be a professional photographer. I want to actually go on that journey. So, you know, you have a lot of experience already. Um, and looking at your career and, you know, where you're at right now, what would be that advice? So I think the one piece of advice that I would give uh, somebody that's starting photography is if they're if they're very passionate about it um, I would try to do my best to see uh, try to kind of get them to discover if they're if they're very passionate about that because that's because let's say for example they do it for a year and they don't like it and they stop well if they if they know that ahead of time then it will save them time that they'll be wasting on that so let's say for example they're very passionate to begin with the, my, my single source of advice would be to, to start analyzing photos that you, that you like mm -hmm. um, and see the type of style that you want to kind of replicate in your own work because once you figure out a style that you kind of want to either replicate or, or create something very similar to that, then it'll, it'll dictate what gear you need, it'll dictate what kind of lighting you may or may not need, um, and it'll dictate how you have to um, learn as a photographer and also in regards to even post-processing. Um, there's, there's some photos out there that look very post-processed and some people love that look and other people want more natural. So if they figure out the style, which is something that took me a long, way too long to figure out and it kind of made me, it kind of hindered my growth very much so because I didn't, I tried to do too much things. Um, I would say to to learn a style, learn what style and what what elements of that style you like, so that you can figure out where to go with in regards to all the different things that are, that are regarding photography. And once you find the style, then it'll be a lot easier on you um, to grow grow as a photographer and grow faster as a photographer. Perfect. So the last thing um, before we say goodbye, I just want to ask you where people can find you online because I, I know you're everywhere. I link I link everything anyways. 
so yeah. people can find you really easy but if you could just share it so we have that recorded yeah sure um well i can't i try to keep everything the same so um you can find me at f j h those are my initials f j h photo um you can find me at that pretty much anywhere instagram.com slash f j h photo facebook.com slash f j h photo and youtube.com f j h photo um yeah and if there's any other upcoming future social medias i'll be at f j h photo awesome so i just want to say that uh, people who don't follow your channel they should and you know they should subscribe <laughs> right away because you know there's a lot of lot of um amazing informations i i'm really appreciated all the research you're doing and you know all the informations you're sharing i i think the entire community can benefit from this big time so i really appreciate it i want to say you. thank you um and again i just want to say thank you so much for you know this interview i hope you had uh fun um that was a real pleasure chatting with you um and then i hopefully you know one day we're gonna have a chance to meet up maybe and i don't yeah. know have a quick <laughs> beer or photo shoot or you know we can combine those two together um so thank you again and um yeah no i will be looking forward to you know see more of your work and see more of your videos um yeah and then, then i would love to keep in touch with you for sure yeah yeah likewise it was pretty fun thank you for having me okay thank you mm -hmm.